we jump in and listen to a podcast that was being done by Ben from Mission Somerset, which is from the south of England. Ben is a movement guy who really focuses on making disciples, and I just have a lot of admiration for Ben. And Ben is talking to Paul King, our dear friend and partner there in northern England in Middlesbrough. And uh, they're talking about uh, the birthing of the the mission that, that Paul is running there, Liberty Mission, and uh, how God has called uh, Paul and his wife Stella into the ministry. But we're going to be kind of jumping halfway in the conversation and really listening to uh, how Paul reaches out to people. And I really wanted to play this as a podcast because I feel like there's just a lot that we can learn. He's a passionate guy and his wife who are, who are given over, who have left everything to reach the region of Middlesbrough and multiply disciples and churches all over that area. What do you learn as you listen to Paul and Stella and how they do mission? Where do you feel challenged? What can you do this week as you listen to this? I trust that like me as you listen to it, I thought, wow, there's a lot of good pickups here that we could learn to be led by the Holy Spirit and how we engage with people and run discovery groups. So enjoy as we pick up this podcast, Reaching Out with Paul King. You wrestling with the question, are you a disciple yourself? Yeah. Are you making disciples of other people? And this whole area of being sent, um, you know, like we would think of people who are missionaries, but this this sense of we're all sent to make disciples. So, so did God send you off to some unreached tribe in the middle of the jungle in in India somewhere, or or what happened next? No, basically, He sent me um, back to our own front room. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, he sent us. Um, he sent us to our own people. He sent us to the people who live around us. One hundred and thirty-eight thousand people live in this town, and that's the call that God put on our heart was was to make Him known in this town. Yeah. Um, there's one hundred thirty-eight thousand people here. There's one hundred thirty-one thousand people allegedly far from God, but and um, what I do know is statistically, in the whole of Teesside. 97.3% of the population don't go to church. Yeah. I don't know how many have a relationship with God. There's probably way more than that, but they don't go to church. So that means there's no fellowship, no direction and other stuff. And the amount, the amount of places I walk and go out, there isn't many witnesses or much of a witness. Um, so that, that's really it. It's to go to our own people first. And, and that's what the call we felt is to start. Churches multiplying, disciples multiplying in, in the northeast, in Middlesbrough, um, and, and the lost that are around us, um, in this nation. So, so tell us, because you're probably like me, I hear a lot of people talking about this and using words like mission and having these great big plans. So tell us what's actually happening. Is it working? All right. Yeah, it's working. Yeah. I think the, the, the thing was the other year, my wife, my wife went out and she did what we call a discovery Bible study. All of discovery Bible study is really is a simple thing. It teaches people to be prayerful, love their neighbor, be obedient to what Jesus is asking them to do. It's essentially what a disciple is and then to learn to share with other people. 
and to go and make disciples themselves. And so she did the first one of them. And when she came back, she said, this worked. And so what we've found ever since that is it worked. And we found that really, instead of me preaching to everybody, telling everyone what they should see in the Bible, all of that stuff, all of that weight and burden being on myself, what we've found is if we just trust the word enough to speak for itself, it does. And each individual person can hear God for themselves out of the story, out of the scripture, and take something from that, what they feel God may want them to be, putting a practice into their life or maybe where God introduces himself into their life. So whether they're a new believer, whether they're just seeking God or don't even want to know God, but they're interested in him, whether they've been saved for years, this has been a real phenomenal tool to just equalize everybody and bring us all back to the place of just simply following Jesus and obeying him. And 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 and, and that that really has been a phenomenal tool, coupled with just loving people. And, you know, love always costs. I say this to everybody. Love always costs. It never doesn't cost. It costs to open your door. It costs to buy someone a coffee. It costs to go and pray for someone. It costs every single time. And because often loving someone else means you have to die for your own self to do it. So one of the greatest things is loving people and loving God, obeying him, love God. And then, and then from that, seeing that develop. And yeah, it works. We just had a meeting uh, two weeks ago, our first little tribe time, we called it, a little gathering of people who we've basically connected with over the last 12, 13 months, begun life with. We've seen six baptisms in that time. And there's another guy just decided to get baptized last week. But, you know, it's not just that they're baptized, and that's weeks and weeks of looking at scripture, being together in the Bible, doing life. Um, and, and there was about 50 people in the room, lots of kids from zero all the way up to 80 years of age, such a healthy gathering of different people. In that room was, was some friends of ours we've developed a friendship with. They, they're a gay married couple with a family, with adopted children. You know, there was spiritual people in there, the Reiki practitioners in there, mediums in there, people of different, again, sexual genders, um, managerial statuses, and people who are just attracted to what we're doing, attracted to our love for people. And, and again, the people we've discipled, going building relationships with other people there was there was there was a real beautiful picture of this kind of it wasn't just everyone connected to me and my wife it was people connected to people we were connected to that was awesome and a couple of christians that came were like blown away by it loved it the guests that came they loved it and you know even my friend's mum and she told him on the night she was crying and just said it was so beautiful. And again, the venue wasn't great. There wasn't flashing lights or anything. The, the words didn't work on the screen. You could <laughs> hardly hear the guy singing. And it was the fellowship. There was so much power in it. And yeah, and that's developed over probably the last 12 months, really. It's been phenomenal. It's been, it's been awesome. Tell, it tell works, us yeah. how you... Tell us how you felt God leading you to a certain area that 
was so rough it was on TV, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. It was on a Panorama programme. You can still watch it now on YouTube. It's called Afraid in My Own Home Panorama. And about 80% of that programme felt focused on this little estate called Hamilton. And um, we'd, we'd really, me and my wife, had come to a point where I think God had prepared us. I think he'd destroyed the idols in our own life, the sin in our own life, the hurt we'd actually gone through. He'd healed us of that. He prepared us really as working for End of that process, we were kind of like, we can't do this. We're not good enough for this work, really, or it doesn't work. Like, we were just like, what are we doing? We've been all over trying all different things. And then we said, like, we're just going to give it 12 months. COVID had ended. We're going to give this 12 months, and we're going to commit to it. 12 months, we're going to do it properly together as one. Pray. Da, da, da. And so we start. Got a thing off the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So we just rested on that. It's going to be God doing it, not our strength, not our action, not this, this, and this. Just God. And then we just gathered in our front room again, me, my wife, our friend, and uh, a friend of our family, and our couple of kids. And we just began doing Discovery Bible study together. And then after prayer one day, we just prayed and before we started the Discovery Bible study. And I was just, we just said, God, we're going to be quiet for five minutes. Would you just speak to us? And in that five minutes, I felt God just lay on my heart this place, Hamilton. And so off the back of that, I went to this place. I'd run the police and asked them where the worst parts of that place were. Um, and again, if you watch the documentary, you'll see. But really, there was there was cars getting bricked as they went down the road. There was there was houses where you'd see a house, a burnt out house, another house, sheds being set on fire like the police weren't there. The, the local PTSO officer who'd been there for years, he'd left his job because he was calling for backup and no police come to back him up. The fire brigade were getting bricked when they came in. The people were basically abandoned by everyone, by their housing providers. Like, honestly, they were so abandoned by everyone. My prayer was, God, please, would you make this place visible to the powers that be? And so I went there. I just went to those really bad places, began to pray, just pray. I was on my own, just pray, uh, you know, even feeling frightened, to be honest, and scared I was and vulnerable. I just pray. And then off the back of that prayer, began to beat people. Then people were, like, thankful to me for being there and knowing that I was there as a man of God, minister of God. They were thankful that someone was there, someone cared. That brought hope to people, which was amazing i was expecting to see big massive church revival but actually what happened was the community revived in that time the people the shopkeepers the shop owners that that they got faith the hope they galvanized and started groups you know in the end one of them um again she's a good friend of mine now she 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 wrote a letter to the mayor of middlesbrough and invited him to sit down to talk about the issues and then he agreed to meet her and so she then messaged me and said, will you come and sit with me because I don't feel confident, which is like a massive privilege, to be honest. And so I went and sat with her just to be with her to give her comfort and strength and pray for her before she went. And out the back of that, the mayor of Middlesbrough then ended up walking around that estate with me three or four times. And it's funny because we've been praying for God to send us a fellow worker to walk around the estate with me. And, uh, and he sent the mayor. So, <laughs> the mayor of Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah, and the mayor. And, and in that in that journey that few hours that we spent together i ended up giving him a bible 
And in that Bible, I wrote Psalm 139. I wrote the Roman road journey. And I finished with Matthew, uh, um, uh, John 3. And, and, and basically about you have to be born again. I just wrote on that, look, this is a message from my family to your family with love. Uh, we love you. We're praying for you. I just want you to know this is a journey. This is a road. And if you follow this road, it will lead you to Jesus and it will lead you ultimately to a decision. So be blessed. And I gave him that Bible and never heard anything of it. And then a few months later at Easter, I sent him a story of the prodigal son. Again, didn't hear anything from it. But last week on Sunday, someone sent me a post. They were trying to have a dig at him, really, saying he's using your name and all that. And then uh, but I messaged back and said, oh, no, it's true. And he put on his post, you know, I'm thankful for this local vicar and for helping me in my faith and other stuff. But also, there's a few good Christians have helped me along the time. But, I, you know, and I really want to thank, and then he mentioned my name and said, you know, it's not for me, it's not whatever, but it was just, it was quite, it was like a little hug from God, really. I just want to thank Paul for giving me the Bible and getting me back into, like, liking my Bible again and enjoying my Bible again. So, yeah, that was awesome. Was and he, awesome. he wants to come along, doesn't he, to one of your gatherings? Yeah. For the next one, so we're going to have them every quarter um, so that we can keep getting out, growing and multiplying, but then give people a sense of family. Um, and that's one of the things I learned from you when I come down to Somerset was these things we're building, whatever you want to call it, if it isn't a family first and foremost, then it, it's not anything. It's got to be a family. It's like it, it, you've got to be loving everybody. You've got to kind of see, right, overriding your desire to see multiplication and other stuff. Sometimes you've got to stop and just ask yourself, what does this person actually need right now? Because sometimes people don't need kind of more stuff. They need you to just sit down and just chat with them, listen to them, love them, encourage them. And, and so that's hopefully what I think God's done, is he's built a little family of us, and that's, that family's growing a little bit. And I think wherever people have encountered us now, then 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 I I believe that they felt love, and and that's another thing that's been important to me is that the witness they've encountered has been a positive witness. We're spiritual straight away. We don't we we always on about God, but we're not running things down people's throat. We're just spiritual people. We're offering prayer. We're ministering to need. We're bringing stories out of the Bible into situations. And in doing that, we're just glorifying God among the people more. And so people then can say, oh, there is a God. These people represent God. These people are all right. Therefore, God's all right. So it'd be really great to take a bit of time to just tell us about Liberty Mission, what the vision is, maybe some of the differences to how you maybe used to do things, what maybe the measure of success or fruitfulness is now. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, so Liberty Mission, um, I think really in 2021 in May, when me and my wife said, right, this is it, we're going to give it 12 months. Um, at that point, we were, we were essentially called Mission Middlesbrough. Um, and then we were kind of asking God, what do you want this to be called? what do you want the name of this to be? And so we'd had oak trees 
in various forms and processes throughout our kind of last few years. So we definitely knew we definitely knew there was something to do with the tree in terms of what God wanted to talk to us about. And then and then obviously the passage in use it's often an oak tree in the Bible. Isaiah sixty one is oak trees. It's like there's all always and so the fruit of like the oak tree was like became really relevant. Um and then at some point that year I was doing something. I remember praying and as I prayed I kind of saw lifted up my hands and I just saw these liberty statues, Statue of Liberty torches in my hand. And so I felt really strongly about liberty. I had a look at what liberty was and when I had a look at investigate it was like a liberty tree in America. I think that was an oak tree that people used to meet under. So there's lots of liberty things. So in the end, we got the name Liberty Mission, um, which just means freedom, doesn't it? Freedom. The mission is freedom. And so that became really part of what we're, we're about. That's the reason we're doing what we're doing, is to bring liberty to the captives, liberty to the people, liberty to the oppressed, liberty to the nation, really. Um, and so that became the name. The banner, if you want, that we're gonna we're gonna walk under, and um, and so what was on our heart was, um, I think off the back of the guy from China talking about what makes a disciple, and really seeing the fact that people now, you know, ninety percent of the people you invite to church won't go to church, but sixty percent of the people, if you ask them to sit down and read a Bible, probably would. It became our vision then to try and engage people engage people in their homes and really to recreate what we were doing in our house which was just to bring god into a house because it's like if if i were god show me in prison any life with jesus is a different life like mom, my mom with jesus would have been a different mom my dad with jesus my dad spent 25 years of his life in prison him with jesus different dad if there's a guy that beats his wife up, wife up all the time with Jesus, he's not doing that anymore. Or, or, or a man that works all the hours God sends, thinking this, I've got to provide for my family, but he never sees them emotionally, physically. That guy's going to be different with Jesus. And so I saw him in prison, then Jesus is like the answer for everything. And so really that's the heartbeat of what we're doing, is to try and get Jesus into as many homes as possible. Not because it's like, it's this religious thing to do whatever, but because I genuinely want people to experience what I've experienced. I genuinely want people to, to, to have an answer to, to their needs, to, to their struggles, their strife, their problems. Like, like there's, there's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's liberty in Jesus. And so that's the heartbeat of it, is to get Jesus in every single community, every single street, whether that's by prayer, whether it's by a church that's, that's going on, a discovery of Bible study that's going on, whether it's through disciples gathering in that area that are then on the street taking responsibility for that area. That's essentially the vision is to mobilize um, a movement of people who are going to take responsibility for their neighborhood, their area, in prayer, witness, and action to make God known where he isn't known. And then and also to find every single person in that community that wants a relationship with God. Because the other side of it is, if we don't do it, the Jehovah's Witnesses are doing it. The Mormons are doing it. The, the Muslims are doing it all over Facebook, offering Qurans and all that. Everyone else is doing it. But but again, people don't want to come to our churches anymore. So the only answer is, is to take our church to the people. That's the only answer for me. And that's a 
essentially what the kind of heartbeat of it is. Yeah. Tell us about how that. you how have you met or come into contact with some of the people that you would say are now discipling? Yeah, well um well, some of them some of them genuinely God's brought them. Which I remember I remember people saying to me, Well God'll bring people to you and I was like, How's that gonna happen? Well I've seen it happen now, he has <laughs> He's brought, he's brought people to us. Um, other people, it's been a consequence of, and you know what, instead of waffling, apart from the people God's brought to us, the simplest answer of how we've encountered people is through obedience. It's through hearing God speak about go here, go there, speak to that person. It's been that simply. All of the fruit, all of the life has come through that obedience. And and again, it goes back to that scripture God gives us, unless we all build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Yeah. When I've tried to create something or chase something or pursue something, it's often ended with nothing. But when I've just listened and followed that voice, it's like there's fruit at the end of it. So, so that would be the answer to just obeying him when he's spoken about going to speak to someone, go to a particular area. Um, and and that's been really what what's brought fruit into our life. That's what's led us to people of peace. That's what you know, people a person of peace is someone who who essentially is is at peace when you share your spirituality with them. They're at peace when you talk about Jesus and God. And um, they're at peace where they're humble enough to be honest with their issues and their struggles. That's also a sign of a person of peace. And and also they they're willing to open their life to you, their family, their friends, and that kind of network. And so those genuine people like that, the people of peace, I think I think God's led us to them so far, and um, through just waiting and asking God what He wants to say to us, and and then responding when He speaks. And so if it helps anybody, what we do is well sometimes, and we don't do it enough. And in saying this, I need to do it more because every time I've done it, God's spoken. <laughs> but it's just taking time in your quiet time or in your meeting to just stop and just say, God, we're just going to give you five minutes. And I'm not, I don't mean that um, dishonorably. I don't mean it that way. The whole reason for meeting is to worship God. But I mean, we're just going to have no agenda for five minutes. And just be still. And if you just speak to us, and if you want anything to say, if you want to direct this meeting, or did it, that, and in those opportunities, we've spoken. And that's how we've encountered people of peace, really, more than anything else. You've shared some amazing, you know, stories of even, you felt the Holy Spirit put put the face of someone on your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us how that, what happened there, and how it's left that now. Yeah, so, so 12 months ago, pretty much to the day now. Um, I was in my back room in there. And uh, again, I just read my Bible and I just said, God, I'm just going to sit here for five minutes. You want to speak to me? And I'm listening. And I, I just saw the face of a, of a guy um, calling Timmy. It's not, you know, it's not a real name, but I'll call him that. And uh, this this man is, is part of a gay couple in the school I go to. Which, which again is irrelevant, but it's just part of who he is. It's his family, so that's why I'm using that as an identification thing. And so I felt him on my impressed upon my mind 
And then I was like, okay, what am I praying for? Like, what? You know, when I go speak to them, what am I going to say? Yeah. And uh, and and I just I just saw this like kind of swirliness going on in his head, and so I went to school. Um, I followed him out of school. In fact, I ended up going out before him, so I was hanging about near where I'd seen him walk. I didn't know where he lived. I just knew he walked a certain way, and so I waited for him. And then as he come up towards me, it's funny because he was with this woman talking. I was like, oh no, I was like waiting for her to go. So like. They come walking towards me and I was still stood there on my own. I thought, this is going to look weird. So I pretended to walk off and then she walked off. <laughs> so then I had to cut back on myself. And then I was like, oh, and they were like, oh excuse me. So I just shared with him. I was praying, reading my Bible. thought, God showed me your face. And I just want to be obedient and just say anything I can pray for you for. And then he said, no, actually there's not. You know, actually my life's really good. I've just got a new job. And so he said, and I said, well, what I saw was like your mind. It seemed like your mind was, I mean, what I felt was his mind was really anxious and stuff. And, and he said, oh, no, nah, I'm, I'm all right. He said, I am getting a new job um, when I'm going to be a manager. And I'm, I'm a bit worried about that. You can pray for that. So I prayed for him, gave him my card. Thought that was a waste of time. And <laughs> walked off. So I walked off and then um, never saw him again for about two months. And then, what happened was, we were basically a week out of Christmas or 14 days out of Christmas and we had no money. And um, we usually have all the kids' presents sorted, but we, we were like, we were well short. Of, we were well short of what we needed for Christmas. And um, we were on a call with my friend from Australia. And, um, and basically, he'd said at the end of that call, is there anything you need? And I just felt the Lord say to me, tell him what you need. And so I said to them, well, actually, we do need, we need to get the kids present. And so they prayed for us, and I went off, and I went back into Hamlet in that day. There's a reason for this story. It's not, it's not a dovetail, it's a gentle connection. We went to Hamlet, and I ended up at the youth services, and I'm talking to this youth worker, and I'm saying, is there any need? And he said, well, the need is, we have all these, this money that comes in usually by this time, and we go and provide presents for all the kids who've got no presents on the estate. And so I'm praying for him, finished praying for him to get this money. And I said to him, listen, mate, I'm stood here right now as a man who needs so many hundreds of pounds to pay for his kid's Christmas. But I'm telling you, I've lived my life with God and I've seen him provide over and over and over again for our needs. So I want to assure you, God is going to answer your prayer. This, you know, your money is going to be blessed. Don't worry. And as I walked off, my phone buzzed. And when I picked my phone up, it was Dave from Australia saying, brother, We've had a pray, we've had a whip round of everyone in, in, the, in the family in Australia. We want to bless you with his money. Wow. And it was like pretty much exactly what we needed. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then Stella said, when I got home, I think God's going to give us more. And so later on that night, someone else came and gave us 200 quid. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. But, you know, you're kind of used to God answering prayer, aren't you? It's awesome. It's overwhelming and beautiful. But, you know, you're used to God coming through. So it's like, yeah. But what happened was, God had spoke to me that day about three people, about blessing them with money. And um, at the point he spoke to me, we didn't have any money. So the moment this money came in, I said to Stella, oh, I think we need to give some of this money away. And so it was like, I knew who to give it to. And so because of that miracle, the next day I was walking to school with two envelopes with some money in. And because of that money, I went a different way to school. 
And when I went a different way, I bumped into this guy again, Timmy, <laughs> as he's coming off the gate. And I, and I said to him, morning. You know, you're like buzzing because you're about to go and give some stuff away. I was like really excited. I was like, morning, you all right? And he went, oh, you know, you know when you prayed for us the other month? I said, yeah. He said, the strangest things happened. He said, our life's been terrible ever since. So I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, and now in my head, I'm thinking, I hope he doesn't connect me praying with him, but like God's cursed him or something. And he said, I was saying to my husband last night, you know, and then he said, we're good people. We put good, good stuff out there. You know, so it's like the karma thing. You know, it doesn't make any sense. His business is kicked out of his business. Uh, my job and all this. He said, and then even last night, our car got broken into. And then he said, and I said to my husband last night, this must have been why God sent that man uh. to pray for this time. And I said, right. I said, do me a favor. You've got my number on that card I give you. Text me. Tell me everything to pray for. I'll be praying for it. By the, by the next morning, there's no text. So I realized he must have thrown my card in the bin. <laughs> so the next day I took another card to the school and I give it to his husband Seamus and um, and and he looked at me like who the heck are you like, <laughs> who are you he looked at me and I said and, and I was like alright yeah and he texted me later on Seamus and said thank you for the prayer that's nice we also do our own things and so at, at that point I, I began to find out later as I began you know over Christmas he texted me back saying Christmas, you know, joy to you. And that was the first communication I'd had since then. Sent blessings back. And so I began a relationship via text, just encouraging them, praying for them, praying for the needs, praying for the business, praying for the stuff. And throughout that process, found out they were kind of into, the, you know, the law of attraction, um, some kind of wizard stuff and spells. And then when I had a chance to speak to them at the gate, uh, Seamus was like a Reiki practitioner. He's like a fourth level Reiki master. Um, medium, spiritualist, that kind of stuff, um, and so and so it began that relationship, just praying for their needs, praying for what was going on, and then um, and then really kind of speaking into their life through the encouragement of Ben as well, you know, asking them kind of to pray for what we were doing when I was in Somerset, and 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 and, and encouraging that, not being afraid of that either, which is important, um. And then we invited them for tea to our home, and um, which is an important thing. Again, opening your home. And I think then, I think Seamus came, and he was quite provocative. You know, he said, I told my friend I'm coming to see a pastor, and she said, is this him? And he showed me his photo, like this 20-odd-year-old young, fit, strapping lad in like this netted vest, like a total gay icon picture. And, uh, and I was like, I was laughing. And I was like, I said, man, you know, but I said, that was one of my selfies from years ago. So it's a bit of jest. You know, we, we just, they came, they were in our home, and then we didn't hear from them for a few months. And then out of the blue, I think they were grieving because they didn't get the child they wanted to adopt and stuff. But after they got through it, they invited us to their home. A couple of weeks ago, we went to their home, again, not knowing what to expect, knowing by now, Seamus is in there kind of, all this other stuff, what are we going into, all the fears you have and worries, and I presume they have the same fears coming to visit us, you know, like what are they going to be like? And then, um, to be honest, it was gorgeous. It was a great night. Seamus had been cooking food all day. It was like Christmas dinner. It was delicious, right? And then, um, 
we had a really wonderful time sitting there in the family. The kids loved it. But but most of all, we really got into their life. I understood what Reiki was, what they do, how it affects him as a person. And um, I got the chance to share one or two things, like like when Jesus prays, things leave. And um, because with Reiki, they absorb it into themselves. And it was like, and I got the chance to talk about these, you know, just little things. Like when they asked me a question, what do you think about this? thing that happened and I got the chance of them responding to say, well look, there's a dark, powerful forces on the earth. They've been here for thousands of years. And and just to just to share that side of stuff and so nothing ever, I want that to convert them. And then obviously two weeks after that we had our first tribe time um which we invited them to and they came to. And and Sean came, he was walking the room, releasing positivity and positive vibes and and this is the real crux of it. Sean's a lovely guy. Seamus is a lovely guy. And um, he is, is genuinely believing he's doing God's work. He's trying to benefit people. He's trying to make people's lives better. And so, like, when my wife encountered him, one of the Christians in the room was like, what the heck is he doing? Like, freaking out. But, like, my wife said to him, you all right? She, she was just making sure he wasn't anxious because he had anxiety. And, uh, and he said, yeah, I'm just releasing positivity in the room. And so my wife just said, well, that's awesome because like, it really feels positive to think. And, and it's, about, it's about embracing, you know, it's about like sometimes because it's kind of finished now because they really enjoyed that day and he really enjoyed it. But what I've learned through this process is, and part of that learning was through me being with you, Ben, that time in Somerset, me, me opening myself up to not be afraid of other people's lifestyle choices. What it's done is it's enabled me to see a level of understanding of his heart and his heart to actually be a helpful person to humanity, trying to make the world a better place. But but the, the other reality is he's doing it in, in line with other things. Yeah. And those other things are robbing peace from him, the stealing time from him. You know, the people he's ministering to and he's broadening these powers out of they're coming back two weeks later with the same problems because they're just going back to them and it's draining him and taxing him and it's costing him a lot. Like I've just said before, love always costs. And so I'm able to message him last week, like, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm drained. And I'm offering, I'm able to pray for him and send him a scripture about, you know, come to me all who are heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. I know theologically it's about people who are under the law trying to live the law, but also, it's the reality that Jesus does release our burdens and does give us rest. So, so it's enabled that relationship to develop a bit more. And um, and and that's 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 that encounter, responding to God, saying, "Speak to that person." It's opened it up in such a big way. And just to finish on this, one of the most beautiful things of that day was Seamus uh, came to me and said, "Um, I know a lot of people that have benefited from something like this." And so all of a sudden, what I saw, God show me, was already he's got vision for all the people he's doing life with. And this is a whole lot of people into paganism, spells, all kinds of stuff. He's got a whole mission field there. And, 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 and that isn't even looking at his, his marriage. It's not even looking at that and seeing that as an issue right now. It's like this guy has got vision for a whole load of people. And and that's really exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really encouraging, Paul. Thank you. Um, and uh, maybe to sort of like start finishing up, 
how you know you've been in a situation where uh, you and Stella, your wife, were leading a church, which yeah. had a building, met on a Sunday. You know, in the first part, you said you know you, you did see God doing some amazing things, um, and you're now in a situation where you have a community of people around you. What what are some of the differences in how you think and how you approach things now to back then? Yeah. Or are you still doing the same thing? No, the, the difference is, is, um, is the biggest difference is I'm dead, basically. Um, it's no longer about me. Performance, being known, that's the first thing. Trying to, trying to be everything to everybody. I'm able to be vulnerable, weak, um, just an ordinary person. I think the other side is it is every single person that's doing life with us can see for themselves that they can do this too. They can all see that they're called without being called from a platform. Someone's calling them from a city on the same level as them. They can see how God can use them. And I think, I think instead of teaching everybody, it's encouraging people. It's kind of drawing out of them what God's speaking to them about. So the whole emphasis of the relationship is completely and utterly different. I'm, 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 my, my emphasis now isn't about building a big following of people and gathering of people. The emphasis is on, is on serving people, loving people, and essentially releasing them um, to go and be the person of peace, really to all of their network. And so the focus isn't about money, timing, clubs, meetings. It's about God, about their relationship to him, and about the world and the lost. It's just so simple that anybody can do it. Our children, that anybody can do it. And I think that's the big difference. It's the fact that people can adopt this very quickly. They can accept it very quickly. You know, um, you can do this lifestyle, you can do these gatherings with two or three people, which is funny because Jesus said where two or three gather and they're in the midst. So, you know, or, or Paul said whoever, but he's there in the midst. But it can be done in bigger groups, it can be done in, in different languages. There's no barrier to it, and that's another thing. And, 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 and I think that's the difference as well, is the church is essentially mobilised and because it's smaller, it can access areas and places that the bigger buildings just couldn't reach. And mm. um, only, only because the people weren't leaving that building, and that's another difference. Everyone essentially, in part of what we're doing, has something outside of this that they're doing for Jesus, or what they're trying to do for Jesus. And um, mm. most of them, you know, <laughs> a few that are, but the majority are. Yeah, it sounds like. Rather than, you know, as is often the idea of leadership in a church where you sort of spend your week preparing the message that you think people need to hear. Actually, it's completely flipped upside down now, really. You're serving a growing community of people where you're empowering them to be the leaders. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's like, again, it's this, it's this 
it's just reality that in 20, 30 years, I'll be dead. So if I'm going to be dead in 30 years, you've got to kind of create something that can exist without you from the start. Um, and I suppose a lot of churches are built on this pyramid structure that kind of looks like that. Mm. And so you kind of, there's always the person at the top and they build this thing up like that. And then, and then the leadership kind of moves up, doesn't it? You have someone starts it, kids work, and then they manage to do that, then they do that, and then they might be trustworthy enough to do a life group, and then and it's always moving up, but it's only about kind of one position at the top. Yeah. And so and so that building then can only contain however many people it can contain. And all of those people essentially follow this one voice. And um what we've done is kind of flipped that upside down like that. So that um so that at the bottom really is the servant of all. That's what Jesus said, be the servant of all. And you're just lying there and, and then encouraging people out. And so everyone then, instead of following your voice, I'm throwing my head there, there's no single voice at the top of this. It's an upside down being. And what they're doing is they're all following Jesus' voice and obeying him and listening to him. And that, again, is another difference. We're not, we're not teaching people to obey us, yeah. follow us. We're teaching people to obey and follow Jesus. Um, so that, and equipping them as well. So if Jesus says to someone tomorrow, I want you to go and move to Bognor Regis, for example, or Cornwall, mm. then they, they will have enough in their locker, even if they're only six months old, to go to that place, to walk, pray, look for people, repeat, gather them, get around the Bible, start making disciples. Um, it's like the, what do you call it, the priesthood of all believers? Yeah. That, that, that's what it is. Yeah. So, you know, Paul, you've got an amazing testimony yourself and, you know, the work that you and Stella are doing, I know, I know there's very real challenges and discouragements that come your way, but, you know, I just want to encourage you. It's amazing the lives that you're touching. And, you know, if people are watching, um, and feeling as enthusiastic about you as I am and wanted to support you or pray for you. Um, like what would, what would you say to those kind of people or what, what, how can they support you? Yeah, I think, um, I think prayer, I think I say this to our intercessors team, I say this all the time. Prayer is the most important thing without prayer. Nothing, nothing happens at all. Like, like nothing, it's, it's everything. So I need we need as much prayer as possible. Prayer for what the Lord says. Workers in the harvest. That's the first prayer. The second prayer is for souls to be saved, people to be reached. That, that's that's it. Workers, souls to be saved. I think in terms of our support, we're literally now uh, eight months into a raising support journey. Um, so it's like we're we're fully committed to this kind of life. And that means a lot of our time is often you can be here one minute, somewhere else another minute, going to another area. You can't you can't kind of catalyze and pioneer doing 37 hours a week and it just doesn't work. Um, so we're raising support to kind of do the work. We're doing it without the support right now, to be fair. Um, I think we're about 23% towards 100% of our support. Yeah. And so my prayer is, if I'm being honest, just like my friend asked, what do you need? 
our need is we need people to support us financially. Um, so, you know, the Bible says, how can people hear unless people go? How can people go, you know, unless people send them? And so the way we see it is we as a couple, we support missionaries. We, we, we support other people. And, and we do that ourselves. And so it's like, right, we're supporting people to reach other people because it's important to the gospel. And either we kind of go or we send or we do both. And I think in the kingdom, you do one or the other. There's no kind of middle ground. You send or you go and that's it. Or do both. And so we're looking for people who want to send us. If people want to kind of back up regional missionaries and UK-based missionaries who aren't, don't have a problem that we're not living in Africa, um, but see it as the same thing, then we we would be like one million percent appreciative of that support, no matter how small it is. Yeah. It all kind of goes in to helping us keep doing what we're doing, and um, yeah, and it's a privilege, and that's what we'd say. And let me just finish by saying this: it's also a privilege to give. It's also a privilege to support things like this because. Without getting into a big Bible study, theologically in the Bible, Jesus te- does tell us when we give permission, give to extend his kingdom, there is blessings in that. There is things that come back to us from that. And not prosperity gospel stuff, but there's a genuine thing when we sow into the kingdom, we reap, again, spiritual rewards from God. So it, it is often more important for people to give than it is for us to ask for gifts. Because there's you know, this giving wedge is like that thick up there when you give, and this bottom end here where you receive is thinner. It's more blessing to give than receive, the Bible says. So, yeah, definitely be open to that. Yeah, and the prayer. And then I can give you can give you links and stuff, mate, if you need it or whatever. And you've got a website? Have you got a website, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's um, www.libertymission.org.uk. Okay, great. And there's like links for our email on there, links, I think there's links to give on there. Um, I'm sure there is. Yeah. So, yeah. Brilliant. So, yeah, if you want to find out more or pray and support Paul and Stella in the work they're doing, go to their website or contact me and I'll put you in contact with them or if you already know Paul. And uh, why don't we finish off, Paul, because, you know, we're part of a kind of bigger gang of folk, aren't we, around the UK who are trying to, see yeah. inroads in the harvest and see disciples multiplying. So why don't we finish the call by praying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, um, I think a minute ago before we started recording, I, I just said that. Because like I said, I've been massively encouraged just by you reminding me of what God's done. So Sometimes we can focus on what we haven't done, mm. what we haven't achieved. And I think part of this is reminding me what God's actually achieved in the past. 12 months and that we've been a part of quite overwhelming and then just reminded me of that little boy and said this is what I've got like you know the loaves and fishes yeah I know people often preach that like you know this is what the kid says this is what I've got but Jesus said give me what you've got didn't really like yeah but there's still that emphasis that the little kid has said he's given the ball hasn't he and uh I think my encouragement and my prayer is going to be simple and it's this, if it's just you in a front room, if it's you and your wife in a back room, if it's you and a couple of people walking the street somewhere, just stop today. Just give that to God. If it's a vision, if it's an idea, 
if you're wondering, should I leave this status quo church? And it's no offense against the church. We need the church. It's massively important. But if God was speaking to you about going out into the world, you've got to obey him. And my encouragement is before I pray, because that's all I simply want to pray is that, is just stop. Just offer God what you've got. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like when you get saved. You don't you don't come in with your good work. You come just as you are. And God will take your life as it is. Just bring that to God today and ask him, you know, do something with this. This is all I've got. But I'm willing to surrender it to you. And just let him multiply it. And so that's my prayer, Father. But I just want to pray for everyone listening. Um, I do hope that actually you spoke the Holy Spirit in all this and not me. I believe you are. Um, I just pray, God, that people would take what they've got in their basket right now today as it stands, not looking at what they haven't got, not looking at what they haven't achieved, but God, looking back at all that you've done already through their life. I pray, Lord, that they stop today and they just offer you what they've got and put it into your hands so that you, Lord, can do something with their life and you can do something with the things you've given them. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to multiply your disciples multiply your workers across the land across the nation but across the nation father and we pray lord you'd raise up more workers and more leaders i just thank you lord for people who have the patience to listen to all of this and i just ask you to bless their lives their marriages their families and god if anyone's been hurt by the church as they've left as they followed your call but i pray that they'd be good disciples that forgive that look to you and keep pushing forward in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.